Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. A murder trial has gripped the southern states of the United States and spawned a Netflix series called The Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal. In February of 2019, Paul Murdoch, the second son in a family of prosecutors and trial lawyers, crashed the family boat into a bridge on the Beaufort River in South Carolina and his friend's girlfriend, 19-year-old Mallory Beach, was killed. Now, two years later, in June of 2021, Paul Paul Murdoch and his mother Maggie were shot dead on their own family's property. Alex Murdoch, who's Paul's father and Maggie's husband, has now been charged with their murder and he's also accused of fraud and embezzlement. Marion McKeown is US correspondent with the Business Post and joins me now. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Claire. This is completely fascinating and I was watching part of the trial last night where the accused brother was talking about cleaning up the murder scene. It's extraordinary. It's hard to know where to begin. But maybe just tell us a little bit about this family because they were a force to be reckoned with in their area for a hundred years. That's right. And they were a really, um, as you said, they were a very famous legal family. His, um, Alex Murdoch's father and his grandfather and great grandfather were all really powerful lawyers and prosecutors in what's called the Low County, which is an area in South Carolina, which is sort of straight out of a gothic southern you know, novel. Um, a lot of very poor people there. Um, most of the it, the money that Alex Murdoch made came from personal injury cases due to a lot of claims and it's coming from mining and from uh, wood the the wood uh, processing industries as well. But but in in terms of Alex Murdoch's family, just to give an idea of how well respected they were before the trial. Portraits had to be taken down in the courthouse of his great-grandfather and his grandfather because they were, as you say, very esteemed prosecutors. Uh, he was uh, a partner in a law firm which made a huge amount of money, as I said, mainly from personal injury cases. Uh, and he was very, very wealthy. He had a huge big house down there. Uh, his son, Paul, who you mentioned uh, in 2019, was driving the family's boat. Uh, it got into an accident and... Well, this was one of the more bizarre things. A, a young girl was killed in the accident. Now, Paul Murdoch was known as something of a hothead. Uh, he drank a lot. Uh, he was 19 years old at the time. Uh, could become quite violent after drinking. And there was a lot of issues around that accident. Now, when they were all taken to the hospital, his father... Um, Alex Murdoch and his grandfather arrived at the hospital. The local police were so intimidated by them that they didn't stop them from going and seeing all the people who were on the boat, all of Paul Murdoch's friends, and saying to them, don't say anything, you know, and, and basically telling them and coaching them on what to say and what not to say. Apparently, they tried to get one of the kids who was a quite, who didn't come from a well-off family to take responsibility for the accident, but eventually Paul Murdoch was was in the crosshairs for it. Now he's, he was at the time of the shootings. Uh, Alex Murdoch was being looked at for several different things. Uh, he was involved in a huge amount of embezzlement, about eight million dollars, it's believed, from his own law firm. And in 2018, the, the Murdoch housekeeper uh, tripped and fell down the stairs and was killed in in the uh, family home. Now it was a, a strange. Uh, the circumstances around her death were strange. They're being investigated. 
separately. But at the time, um, she had two sons and one had several disabilities. Uh, Alex Murdoch encouraged the sons to, to uh, file a lawsuit to sue him uh, for their mother's death. And they did so with his encouragement and with him helping them. Uh, he received, the, 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 the insurance company, I should say, paid out four and a half million dollars. Uh, the two sons didn't get a penny of it. So basically, Alex Murdoch persuaded them to, to sue him and then kept all the money. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, there was another incident about three months after the murder where he claimed that he was the victim of an attempted murder, that he was changing his car tyre on the side of the road uh, when somebody drove by and attempted to kill him. Uh, now, it since turned out, and he admitted that he had paid his second cousin, who was an odd job man from as well, to fake um, his suicide, basically, uh, so, so to fake his murder so that he could commit suicide, and then the, the a life insurance policy would be left to his younger son, Buster. Okay. Uh, now can, the, can, the, can, the, can we just um, stop for one, one second, Mary? Sure. I just want, want to go back to um, what happened after the, the boating incident. So he and his father, so this is the man who's on trial and his father, are telling all the witnesses, stay quiet, stay quiet. Then something started yeah. to happen because he said that his son was being threatened, that there were bad things happening, didn't he, around this case, in the lead up to this case. And at this point, the fingers are starting to point at Paul, who was in control of the boat that night. And then we have the murders of Paul and his mother. That's right. Now, what the defence is trying to do is that initially they were going to try to draw a line between the um, the killing on the boat for which uh, and Paul was driving at the time with the attempted murder, which turned out not to be, of, of Alec Murdoch on the side of the road, and then with the murders of Paul Murdoch and his mother. So what they are trying to say initially was that, look, these murders were, were um, grudge murders. They were created against, they were, they carried out against the family by somebody, a relative possibly of the person, the young woman who was killed on the boat. And that was one of their defence lines. But obviously when Alec Murdoch then confessed that, you know, the, the, the attempted murder of him on the side of the road never actually happened, that punched a hole in that. But it's still possible that, that um, it, you know, it seems like an open and shut case. One of the other things that happened was that the, his wife and son were shot dead with two different shotguns, a rifle and a, a shotgun um, at, at near where they kept their dog kennels on. They had this huge property down in South Carolina and um, the, the, Alex Murdoch said initially that he wasn't anywhere near the scene of the crime when it happened but then his son's cell phone was retrieved his dead son and um, it, it revealed that he was in fact there mm. at the kennels immediately before the shootings. He said oh well you know I couldn't trust the police um, you know, and obviously I'm an opioid addict and I tell a lot of lies. A lot of his excuses didn't really hold up. But yet, because he is a very experienced lawyer and he took the stand, knowing, using all his experience as a prosecutor and a lawyer, um, and sort of managed to sound plausible for a lot of it. Now, the defense is also saying that, look, you never found the guns. There's no direct evidence. This is all circumstantial. And his, bro his son testified, Buster, and said his father was heartbroken. As you say, his brother testified in a really gruesome manner about cleaning up the remains. And what I thought of when I was listening to that was, my God, the police 
handling this case even seem to have been so intimidated by the Murdoch family that they would allow his brother to go out and, and clean up the remains unsupervised. It, you know, the, the whole case is, is a really bizarre one. But basically the prosecution um, had six rebuttal witnesses yesterday. The jurors have asked to go to the site of the murder, to where it took place on the family property, and then closing statements will take place later today. Uh, you know, it would seem that he, he certainly, you know, the, the evidence against him does seem to be strong, the circumstantial evidence, but the defence keeps saying, and, and the defence lawyer is a very well-known lawyer down, down in South Carolina. He's saying no direct evidence. So there was a lot of ill will against his family. Uh, you didn't find the murder weapons. You didn't find any blood on his clothes, etc., etc. We'll see how this plays out, but it has the whole of America, and especially South Carolina, absolutely riveted. Great. It's like yeah. one of those, you couldn't make it up. I know, and uh, as I was watching the, the trial last night, those um, defence expert witnesses, one of them was a, a forensics expert, and he was saying that when you carried out the first shooting, you would be covered in, quite upsetting, but you would be covered in debris, let's say, from the shooting and you wouldn't be able to see to shoot the second victim. I mean, it seems very weak, doesn't it, as a defence? It's so weak. And then one of the other things the defence said was, was, well, the shooter would have to be five foot two and Alex Murdoch is six foot four. Well, you know, the prosecutor pretty well um, said, well, you know, by using this, the, the standard that they use, the method of measurement, that the, the shooter could also have been seven foot six. You know, so it does yeah. seem to me a lot of the, the evidence, that the defence evidence seems really, as you say, weak. But you, you, I think a lot of the things that are going to be factored in are, I say, the, the sway that this family held and the esteem they were held in, it, it would look like a pretty straightforward case. Uh, but as you know, we'll have to wait and see jurors, um, you know, in, in small communities that are very powerful, where they, the, you know, where the, the defence um, people are very powerful, uh, sort of, you know, can come to strange conclusions sometimes. But we'll see. We, we, he took to the stand himself um, in his trial, Alex uh, Murdoch. Let's just, we have a short clip of him. Let's just hear him speaking. I never manufactured any alibi in any way, shape or form because I did not and would not hurt my wife and my child. So you touched on this here that he had an addiction to painkillers. Does that really, really explain, though, Marion, the fraud, the embezzlement, this hunger for cash? Do we know what was really going on here? Well, if if you look at it from one angle, you have a, a really prominent lawyer, okay, so well known and respected within this county, who was an opioid addict. He said he was taking up to 60 opioid tablets a day at the time of the murder. Um, he embezzled over $8 million. Uh, and then he, at a minimum, we know, tried to stage uh, an attempted murder, um, as a, tried to stage what he said was a suicide, which was also discredited as an attempted murder. And that, you know, he was his housekeeper in 2018 was killed in his home. He kept the insurance money. And then his wife and son are, are um, murdered on the family property. It's an awful lot of drama, mm-hmm. all revolving around one man. You know, so, you know, as, as I say, you, you just based on the evidence alone, it, it's, 
it seems, you know, highly improbable that so much drama and so much tragedy and so much suspicion um, could, could revolve around one person. Certainly his former partner in the law firm, when he testified, uh, had very little um, positive to say about him. And, and you know, it, it seemed that they were... And the, obviously the defence lawyer tried to imply that he was just angry because he had to pay out the money that, that um, Murdoch had embezzled from the clients himself. Uh, but but it, 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 it seems that this is a man, you know, to say he was complicated would be extremely charitable. Uh, you know, as I say, given everything that he seems to have been involved in one way or the other. And Netflix have this uh, documentary series called The, the Murdoch that's Murders, right. but the case is still ongoing. So obviously that's not finished yet. Yeah, it, you know, <laughs> it's talk about ripped from the headlines. And I believe that HBO is also doing a, a separate series as well. America is obsessed with true crime. They just cannot get enough of it, whether it's, it's fictionalised, whether it's, you know, real life, whether it's, it's just the reenactments of, of various notorious crimes. So the whole of America is really glued into this because it's kind of got it all, the money, the disgraced family, the scandal, the embezzlement, the other suspicious deaths. So, yeah, I, I think I'd say that the, the closing statements will be today. The jury, this trial was supposed to end about three weeks ago, but it has just gone on and on and on. There have been more than 60 witnesses called by the prosecution. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's just, as I say, it's, it's, it's an epic one. It is. And, and we, it's, we'll it's, see where it all ends it's, up. It's one of those ones when you first hear about it, as I did earlier in the week, you go down a rabbit hole and you will emerge in about two days' yeah. time because it goes on and on <laughs> and on. And it is, it's fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating. Marion, before yeah. I let you go, you're in Maryland, I know, for the CPAC conference this weekend. So what are you expecting? Ah, yes. Well, I'm expecting the usual uh, smorgasbord of <laughs> conspiracy theories and um, very angry people and et cetera, et cetera. CPAC, just, just for the listeners, it's the annual sort of four-day jamboree. It's like, a, to me, it's a carnival of crazy, of the sort of it, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, used to be the sort of Reagan people of the Republican Party. And, you know, the elderly people used to turn up with their annual holiday and they'd all pay homage to Ronald Reagan. Now it's been totally hijacked by Donald Trump. It's totally the conference of Donald Trump where he and his surrogates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, uh, Lauren Bobart, Carrie Lake, etc., all have prime speaking positions. One of the interesting things about it is it goes on for four days, and as I say, you know, some of the the, the claims, the speeches, the, the the accusations that are levied in conspiracy theories, they just defy any kind of logic. But Ron DeSantis, it appears, who's always a keynote speaker at this, apparently won't be speaking this year. Now, Nikki Haley will be speaking, and Mike Pompeo will be speaking, both of whom are likely to run for the presidency. But DeSantis, who has become a big enemy of Trump's is being kept away. So it seems that um, the, the CPAC has thrown itself behind Trump and is gambling that Trump is going to be the nominee but also the chair of CPAC Matt Schlapp is in a bit of trouble of his own because a, um, an aide to the Herschel Walker who of course ran for the Senate race in um, uh, in Georgia and was defeated by the Democratic candidate. One of his aides was driving Matt Schlapp back to his hotel room after he had stumped for Herschel Walker. He claims that uh, Matt Schlapp sexually assaulted him while he was driving him back to his hotel and he's suing him for $9.4 million. Right. So there's all kinds of drama going on at CPAC this year, which is nothing unusual and probably very like all the previous years. Well, I suppose now we can tell that Ron DeSantis really is the challenger, the Trump challenger there, if he's not invited to that well, gig. Yes. <laughs> Marion, thank you so that, much. That, it, 
Okay, and thank we, you, We might Claire. catch Bye-bye. up again after uh, those couple of days in Maryland where, as uh, Marion says, she's attending the CPAC conference back after this break. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.